Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This 2022 NFL draft certainly was unexpected for a number of reasons. And here joining me now, my co-host, Ryan Roberts. Ryan, this was a, a very odd weekend. There were a lot of picks, unexpected. We had some guys that straight up went undrafted, like Carson Strong and Justin Ross. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. We also had those two massive trades on day one, Marquise Brown, A.J. Brown, getting some some new locations to be playing at. But, Ryan, fun weekend, man. We made, we made it through the whole cycle. Here we are. We're already going to start watching these 2023 kids. We were just talking about it. I know, man. I know it's it's chaotic and it's really chaotic because we're just rolling right into the next draft class. Like we don't we don't stop, which is a lot I of know. fun. But it's uh it was a really entertaining weekend, man. I thought there was a lot of movement, especially on day two into day three. There were a lot of trades. We saw a couple player trades, quarterbacks falling. This year too is I'm I I feel like I should have had a better understanding of this going into the weekend, but Man, this was the year that you did not want to have a medical situation, right? Like that, we saw so many guys in this class that had over twenty one hundred prospects. Medicals were a detriment this year. We saw that with a couple guys, which is so weird. Because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not weird, but last year, you think about last year when the evaluation process was so much more difficult because there wasn't really an NFL combine. They did send guys for those medical checks. But mm-hmm. the the ability to properly evaluate guys overall was far more difficult than usual. And that was one thing that people were talking about last year was you didn't want to be a guy with a medical issue because of the, the inability to properly validate it. And then here we are this year where it was almost double the, yeah. the amount of impact. Well, now it was – yeah, last year was very odd because, I mean, you saw obviously with the Jeremiah Wusukoromoa situation with the heart issue that popped up real late. I mean, the the, it, the little difference is obviously last year it was due to the combine being shut down, so they got the rechecks super late. So teams were like scrambling. They're like, oh, you know, we haven't had a chance to do our due diligence on this. This is a, a, a situation that popped up really late. This year it's the fact that like guys with – the injury concerns or that have the medicals that came back. It's just that you're competing with so many different more players this year. You know, last year was only 650 players this year's over 2,100. It's like, why would you take a chance on a guy with an injury when there's another, or there's these other players at this higher volume that offer you just a more clean kind of projection. So I think that's why it makes it so tough, man, that I'm hoping Obviously, you know, we're, we're, it seems like we're coming out of COVID a little bit finally after a couple years. But oh, don't jinx us. <laughs> I know, man. I mean, look at the impact it's had, though. I mean, right. we had the combine this year, two, uh, last year, excuse me. Two years ago was the pro day shutdown. This year, it's the overpopulation with so many prospects because of the COVID um, extra year of COVID yeah. eligibility. So, man, like at some point, hopefully this kind of regulates itself because it has been wild the last three cycles. Before we continue on with this discussion, folks, I do want to tell you about Bet Online, today's sponsors. 
Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. Don't forget that the MLB is back. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to their website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Yeah, d- definitely a lot more guys, and that and that was a positive because we talked about how deep the class was, and that certainly benefits teams that were picking late, and we're going to end up talking about in the next segment uh, about how these day three picks, there were some guys that just fell really, really odd spots, but landed in really good situations. Uh, but the other part of that is you got some guys that go undrafted, and you've got kids that would probably be rookie minicamp invites that would be um, high priority UDFAs, but they're just not going to, they're probably not even going to get a phone call. They're probably not even going to get an opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's got, uh, I mean, it's, it's like a ripple effect this year, man, because like we talked about it during the draft, it's, there's guys that were day two players that maybe had, you know, maybe were borderline draftable players in the late first round because there wasn't much separation. And you move into day three where there's a, plethora of guys that are probably day two graded players and now we're in udfa territory where there are a lot of players that got drafted that had i mean that uh, got signed that had draftable grades and what it does also joe is like you said there's gonna be a lot of players that don't even get a phone call but also there's gonna be a lot of really talented udfas this year that i think kind mm. of force some like mid-tier veterans out the door because yeah why would you not go with the cheaper labor right if, if it's if the if the style and the talent level is kind of on par with one another so man it's going to have ripple effects for a long time this is not just going to be a you know consistent to just this draft class like there's going to be veterans that are going to be on the outside looking in because there's going to be players coming in that are just cheaper and similar type of players right now and speaking of of udfas that have the ability to push some veterans Carson Strong I, th- I think is one of those guys this was speaking of players also that that fell the quarterback class fell off a cliff. We we were talking leading up, and it was we were doing all these these radio spots, and I, I you and I had the same agreement here on the thought that despite the class being bad, teams were still going to overvalue the position as they always do. But the NFL didn't do that this year, uh, which was so unexpected, and it's almost like the NFL is is catching up to <laughs> how it should properly be valuing certain position groups and the quality of play and, and not overvaluing quarterbacks, but we don't have a second quarterback go until the third round, but Carson Strongman goes undrafted because of the degenerative knee issue that he yep. had. And I think that some people might be scratching their heads and wondering why he went undrafted. That has to be the primary reason. There was also those possible concerns of, you know, is he uh, maybe not a personality fit for some teams because he didn't do that great in the interviews allegedly, yep. but him ending up in Philadelphia I really, if you get a good camp out of him, he's cheaper to keep around possibly than, than Gardner Minshew. I don't know when his contract is up. Mm-hmm. I bet that they try to trade him. And they and if if Carson Strong's knee checks out and they get their doctor to confirm that this guy's good to go for a few years and then we can kind of figure it out kind of deal, he could certainly push Gardner Minshew. I think he's that type of a player. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think that since we just saw a less than stellar quarterback class this year, I think that Gardner Minshew becomes even more valuable than he once was, you know, because he's 
I mean, where would Gardner Minshew with the known commodity that he is ranking this quarterback class? Like, would he have been the first quarterback taken? <laughs> like, it's not outrageous, man, because he's had some success in the NFL. So I think that he becomes very valuable. It's, I mean, I think we had a total of nine quarterbacks drafted, I believe. And I mean, we had Skylar Thompson and Brock Purdy get drafted and Carson Strong didn't. Like, that is a huge That's indicator, insane. obviously. Yeah, it's... I, I, I talked to someone who was a former scout and was a general manager of a team, and he basically told me that, you know, a lot of teams really liked Carson Strong, the player. You know, they thought that he could have a long career as a player just in a vacuum on the field. The problem is that even if he is able to last, there's going to be a lot of maintenance that needs to happen, right? Like that makes you nervous as far as the knee issue because it's not something that's probably going to get it's not going to get remedied, right? Like this isn't someone that just tore an ACL and then like you're, you could get back to it and maybe never tear your ACL again. Like this is a issue where there's probably arthritis and there's long-term impacts and there's those things that are going to be a hindrance for him. So it's a shame, obviously. And Carson's been on our show before, right? So like we have a, you know, I mean, I, I really like the young man as a person first and foremost, and I really liked him as a player and I still like him as a player. I think the short term could still be really good. And I mean, shout out to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, they paid him, a high price as far as UDFAs go. And I think that that just kind of signifies that like the NFL likes him. It's just that, mm. are you going to mortgage long-term assets into getting a Carson strong right now? And that's the question mark, obviously, but I think he's going to come to Philadelphia. He's going to be stashed on the roster for probably a year. And this is a make it or break it year. I'm not going to say that Carson strong set up to maybe the future starting quarterback, but if he comes into the camp, man, and he shows what he showed in, on film at Nevada and he's able to stay healthy, I wouldn't put it past it, man. I really wouldn't because this kid is a really talented thrower. He is the best passer on the Philadelphia Eagles roster right now. Sorry. I, like For Eagles fans out there, Jalen Hurts brings a different dynamic as a, as a rusher that obviously Carson, went, uh, Carson Wentz, Carson Strong never will. But, I mean, at, at a certain point – where does the the passing prowess outweigh maybe the full package, right, of, of a Jalen Hurts? So I think it's a nice stash pick at least. We'll see how it kind of works out. But I'm happy that Carson is going to be playing in Philly because I live right over the bridge. So maybe I'll go check him out in a couple preseason games at least. You, you know who else I just realized went undrafted that's actually pretty crazy to me? Caleb Ellaby was one of the guys that that went dra- undrafted in this quarterback <sighs> yeah. group, which is which is super odd. But, you know, we, we still – I, I like some of these fits for some of these quarterbacks. Like Sam Howell ending up with the Commanders is is a really nice fit. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think as as well, Desmond Ritter at Atlanta, it, it is what it is. Matt Crow, we talked about a little bit on how him being a part of the Panthers is is a good situation for him. Maybe yep. he develops after a couple of years. Same thing with Malik Willis going to the Tennessee Titans. Overall, it seems like a lot of teams didn't didn't go too crazy, especially not reaching for some of these quarterbacks as as we mentioned. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it I think a lot of these fits made sense. It was just a question of where did the fits happen, right? Like I mean, if the Tennessee Titans drafted Malik Willis with their 26th pick, I think it was originally what they had, right? Like that's looks a lot different than them grabbing him in the third round. I think it's just more about tempering expectations, right? So now you're looking at guys like Matt Corral and Malik Willis as developmental players. Maybe they hit, maybe they don't, but either way, if they don't. You have maximized your uh, your margin for error here. So, like, it's like, yeah, if they don't pan out, they don't pan out. They're not a guy that's necessarily locked in, and you owe it to yourself that you have to see it all the way through. Like, you can move on next year if you wanted to. Like, it's not a big deal. P- people cut third round picks all the time. So, I like I like the fits 
generally, you know, just speaking about, you know, Malik Willis with Tennessee. And I think Matt Corral is actually a pretty good fit in, in Carolina with how, what, uh, what the type of offense that they want to run. So I like it, man. I like a lot of these fits. And even going back to Carson Strong for a second, I think Carson Strong fits what, what that, you know, obviously the coach came over from Indianapolis, right? And I, I, Nick Sirianni speaking. And I think that he structurally kind of fits that offense a little better traditionally than what, even what Malik Willis, uh, Malik Willis, what Jalen Hurts kind of brings to the table. So I like a lot of the fits. I think that a lot of them make a ton of sense. And again, I think the fact that we could temper the expectations for this rookie quarterback class is the, is the key part of this conversation for me. Ryan, before we dive into talking about these these day three picks and which ones we really liked the most, I, I want to hit on the, the big trades that happened on night one. Effectively, they were the first round picks for these two teams. So Marquise Brown moved from the Baltimore Ravens to the Arizona Cardinals. And then conversely, we have uh, A.J. Brown, the Tennessee Titans wide receiver, moved to the Philadelphia Eagles. The way that I look at these two trades, A.J. Brown now being a Philadelphia Eagle, I think that is a perfect uh, situation. That is, or not perfect situation. I think that the Eagles won in this trade. I think that A.J. Brown added to that group. He's going to be playing opposite of a, a young, talented Devontae Smith. That is a good spot for him. Can Jalen Hurts get him the football? That is a different question. But that is a really, really nice spot for him. Conversely, though, man, the, the Ravens benefited significantly, I think, from that Arizona trade. Because Marquise Brown is, is, is a nice weapon. He's a nice, speedy receiver. But the Cardinals already have a lot of receivers and they've invested a lot of draft picks in these fast receivers, these small, fast receivers. I guess it's an effort to replace Andy Isabella, who has just not panned out to the, to the extent that Cliff Kingsbury has, has really hoped, but Baltimore gets that pick and they draft Tyler Linderbaum and they have a really nice starting center. And that's better for them. A team that runs the ball effectively and needs a good offensive line to do it and to protect Lamar Jackson, that to me is more valuable than Marquise Brown, who was inconsistent and hasn't really ascended to the level that we maybe have been hoping. But that's where I sit on both of these trades. Yeah, I mean, for the Ravens one, too, the, the part that is is also prevalent is that you el- also alienated Lamar Jackson a little bit. I mean, like he was very vocal on Twitter that he was very upset about. Well, because the they're whole boys, situation. they grew up together. Yeah. They're not too far. But that I think if Lamar was not close, like if say he he was just very on average terms with Marquise Brown, I don't think his reaction would have been the same. No, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, I, I would say that Baltimore, I mean, it's. We had to see Tyler Linderbaum play, obviously, right? Yeah. But I'd say in a vacuum, as long as Tyler Linderbaum is what we think he is, then they would win that trade because I I think Marquise Brown could be a really nice secondary option, pass catcher. I know he had like 90-something catches this year for like a 1,000 yards, but like if you watch him play, man, like he's not that dude. Like he's a, he's a good speed option as a wide receiver, like he kind of illustrated. So I, I think that Arizona is like the most perplexing team of all time, man, to be honest. I think that they have – a lot of talent on both sides of the football. I think they have over the last couple of years. I think the GM's actually done uh, Steve Kime, right? I think is their GM. I yes. think he's done a pretty nice job putting together a pretty solid roster on both sides of the football. But man, I just not there with Cliff Kingsbury, man. I'm not like I, 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 this is a Cliff Kingsbury move. Let's call it what it is. Like he wants another weapon. He's a, he's an air raid dude who wants to establish a bunch of weapons, which like is fine in the modern NFL, but I don't know. I just feel like there's a extreme cap on how good that team could eventually be. So 
not not a big fan of the deal on that on that regard. I'm sure he'll be a nice little player. They lost Christian Kirk this offseason, so like you can validate it to a degree, but giving up a first round pick for Marquise Brown, like nah. No, I'm just I'm, not I'm just not there that. for that. That that's just it, like that's just way too much for me. Like if it, it was a it's day such two an pick, air raid pick. Yeah, it's it's it just really. such a move to to be like, oh, we're you know, we run the air raid, we need our tall <laughs> our our small, speedy receivers, and it's like I just I don't think that that's gonna I'm sure it's gonna net good results, but it's not yeah the biggest need that they have right now. Their offensive line still needs work. There's holes on defense yep. that it could have been used on, on some different things. But speaking on, on some of these picks that, that were used effectively, I, I'd like to hit on the day three picks that we really, really liked. And, and there's some sure. fun ones that we have my first one. And this one's not a shocker. I've <laughs> talked about Pierre strong jr. The South Dakota state running back this entire draft process. I brought him up on every radio hit that I've done. I have brought him up on the show multiple times. I am a big fan of Pierre Strong Jr. And I said if he ends up in the right situation with a team with an unsettled quarterback room with maybe a couple guys and not a determined like actual starter, he could take over the share of carries by the end of the season. And I look at the New England Patriots, a team that is committed to running the football, that likes to use a bunch of different running backs. Damian Harris, inconsistently healthy. They drafted two running backs in this class. And I look at Pierre Strong Jr., and I see him, maybe not week one, but him carving out a nice role, being a guy that they lean on. He's fast. He's got really good vision. He's very, very experienced. And I think that fits what Bill Belichick likes to look for in his running backs, which is these experienced guys that know what to expect and know what, how to read things in front of them. Find yourself that loves Pierre Strong Jr. the way Joe DeLeon loves Pierre <laughs> Strong Jr., man. It's crazy. I mean, I, I like the fit, Joe. I, I like it. I mean, especially on day three, right? Like, you're, you're kind of throwing things to the dartboard a lot. And the Patriots are such a weird team, though, man. They're weird because every – I mean, I play fantasy football, right? And it's just like I never touch Patriot running backs because I'm yeah. like, I don't know who's going to be the guy this week. You know, they go from – remember Jonas Gray had like 200 yards at one time and then you never Four heard touchdowns. from him again a few years ago? Yeah, yeah like a crazy number. And then you have you've had guys like Damian Harris – and I remember Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. You remember the law firm, man? Like they've had guys and they just kind of rotate him in, man. Like I remember Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, I think ran for like a thousand yards a couple of yeah. times and you never heard from him again. And then Damien Harris is kind of the guy, but then they've had Sonny Michelle throughout the last couple of years who got traded to the Rams last year. It's, it's such a hard thing to predict, but. I mean, I could I could find them falling in love with Pierre Strong Jr. a little bit, a little bit more of a burst than they have currently on the roster. So, I I mean, for a day three pick, fourth round pick, cool. I, I get I get on board with that. Like I have no issue with it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an inter it's gonna be an interesting situation to watch. And of course, you had to pick the New England team, right? Like you're a big New England guy. So well, I'm not. I'm a Giants fan. I. I have you played football in New England. I have my significant disdain for the New England Patriots because of the. I was indifferent for a period of time, but once I got to school at Rhode Island and I played at Rhode Island, having to hear from from kids every single day about the Patriots just it it ruined it for me. I can't did, did stand say, them anymore. Did you say that your favorite team beat them twice in the Super Bowl? I mean, I, like, I would, easy. but that doesn't register for them because they're like, well, we just won right now. So I, it's yeah. not even an argument. What, what about the other six titles? They probably say, right? right? It's, yeah, the, same, yeah, exactly. it's the same bit. But uh, I really like, though, that you you put down here Kate Otten, who the, the Washington tight end is now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Of course, they draft the Tom Brady goes and gets a tight end, the guy that doesn't wear gloves. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, man. Hey, I... <laughs> 
You know that I was a big Kate Otten fan, man. I had a second round grade on him. I, he was my second ranked tight end. He fell to the fourth because he struggled with injuries during the draft process. He wasn't able to compete at the senior bowl. He wasn't able to test throughout the process. I think he's a perfect compliment to learn from Rob Gronkowski, man. Like they, I think are be able to use two tight end sets. I think Tanner Hudson's probably still on the roster. Who's, you know, a solid backup tight end in his own right, but his physicality and like he's not ever going to be Rob Gronkowski, let's be honest. But like stylistically speaking, he's a really physical player who plays well in the run game, has a good frame to win above the rim. Kind of some of the same attributes that Gronkowski brings to the game, but obviously he's a very souped up version comparative to a Kate Otten. But I think that he's a good guy not only to play this year as long as he's healthy and to give some two tight end set possibilities, maybe even three tight end sets at time if you're going to use Tanner Hudson as well. But my biggest thing is that I think he fits stylistically what they want from the position. I think that he's going to be able to learn from Rob Gronkowski. So I love this fit in the fourth round, first pick of the fourth round. I think he goes earlier if he's able to test, able to compete at the senior bowl. I think it's a tremendous value getting a guy like Kate Otten to sit behind a guy like Rob Gronkowski for a year. And I'm sure Tom Brady is going to get some really nice usage uh, out of him, considering how much he loves throwing to his tight ends. The the other oh, yeah. one that I wanted to bring up, the other day three pick that I, I was just obsessed with, and I had to I had to write it down. Tariq Woolen going to the Seattle Seahawks, man, in the fifth round, the UTSA corner, who's massive. He's six foot four. He runs in the, that four two six forty, very very fast. Is not good at turning and redirecting. It was the one knock on him. And we joked that Tariq Olin would be the ninth overall pick to the Seahawks because they always draft really weird players. But he ends up going to them in the fifth round. And this is a perfect fit. They love tall corners to play that zone scheme that they play. He doesn't need to be asked to do things that he's not capable of. And I would argue that Woolen is in a position to, to have a very nice, uh, nice career because of where he landed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not the Legion of Boom anymore, right? I mean, Richard Sherman has not been there for some time. The Byron Maxwells, the Cam Chancellors, Earl Thomases of the world. But stati- but stylistically speaking, they still do everything that they want to do there, right? Like, they are going to play a heavy dose of cover three. They're going to play uh, press bail. They're going to do those types of things where length and, F- and speed are going to be huge indicators of success. It's not necessarily short area quickness and change in direction, which we have illustrated Tariq Woolen does struggle with. But if you keep him on a vertical plane of the field, let him be an athlete and run with wide receivers and use his length, I think it's a good fit. I mean, honestly, there were some people that were talking about him being somewhere on day two and you know that type of early conversation. I think going here on day three, you temper expectations a little bit and you let him learn. Because I, I think the one thing that gets lost in translation a little bit is he's only playing corner for two years. He's still raw to the position. The attributes, the talent are definitely there, but he's not ready to play football right now. He's not. But being able to sit back and learn the system, learn the scheme from players who have been there. I think that that's a huge fit. And I think stylistically, he could not have fell into a better situation as far as what they're going to ask him to do. Really quick before we get to this next next segment. Wow, that was a great voice crack. <clears throat> really quick before we get to this next segment, Ryan, I, I just want to get your thoughts. You pointed out that Darian Kennard being a Kansas City Chief, we're probably going to talk about him a bunch in the next segment. But that yep. was a, a total steal, the Kentucky offensive lineman. Yet again, them them grabbing the guys that the linemen that people are overthinking. Man, it happened last year. I mean, honestly, the, falls the second round. Creed Humphrey, you get your starting center for the foreseeable future. Graded out, I think, as maybe the best center in the NFL last year. Like he was a really good player for the Kansas City Chiefs. Sixth round pick last year, though. 
They get a mammoth guard out of Tennessee who fell due to blood clots in his lungs, a recurring issue with it. They get Trey Smith from the University of Tennessee, who I was a big fan of. You remember on the show last year, I, I said like I would have drafted him in the second round if everything was clear as far as medicals. They get him in the sixth round. And this feels like the same thing to me, man. They get a gigantic offensive lineman from the University of Kentucky and Darian Kennard. He's six foot six foot four plus. 320 plus pounds, vines for arms, and incredibly physical. He's not a tackle at the next level, in my opinion. But you throw him in a guard, let him compete. Maybe your stalwarts down the line as far as interior are now Darian Kennard, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey right in the center. Man, I think that's tremendous value in the fifth round for a guy that at one point we thought was going to be a day two pick. So fantastic again for the Kansas City Chiefs, letting good players fall into their lap. Folks, that's going to be it from us on today's show. Thank you for tuning in, and we appreciate you following along with us throughout the entire draft cycle. We've got some more stuff coming your way the rest of the week, wrapping up the 2022 NFL Draft. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.